welcome to episode 7 of the TWM Real Estate Podcast. One of the things that we've seen emerging from recent crises is the fact that the property market is made up of very different sectors and subsectors, which are all reliant on very different drivers. And one thing you can say about commercial property at the moment, it can't all be tarred with the same brush. The emergence of essential real estate during the pandemic was one such example, and the performance of the grocery sector as a defensive investment play was one of the bright sparks from the crisis and was a sector that at TWM we've always been banging on a little bit about. So therefore, I'm delighted to invite and have Arlene McGuire, Head of Property Acquisition and Asset Management of Tesco, as my guest today. So thank you for attending here at the podcast studio. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, one of the things I just wanted to start with, I suppose, is really your own background. You know, what's, what's your, your interest in property career? I note as well your involvement in the Society of Chartered Surveyors. So maybe a little bit of background on that before we get stuck into yeah, okay. Tesco. I don't really come from a property background or I don't have a property family or any history or link to it. But um, we had a really good economics teacher in school in Mount Lourdes, Convent in Inniskillen. And she said to us girls, if you don't know what you want to do when you get big, go home and read the Sunday paper. And whatever interests you in the Sunday paper is what you should be naturally inclined. Go and, go and follow that up. So I had the property supplement and came back in. And, and that's as far as, that's as much as I knew about property, Sean. Was, <laughs> this is the property supplement and I probably want to sell houses and I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do any of this. Um, and then I came across the property economics degree when we finished real levels. So I came down here to Dublin to do that. And probably in about the fourth year of that, I understood what some of it was all about. <laughs> and the rest I've been learning since. So yeah, I've, had, I've mainly stayed in retail since graduation. Um, I've done my time here and I spent a couple of years in England, like a lot of people did during the recession um, and came back, worked for a family office for a number of years and back with Tesco about three years. I was with Tesco previously during the initial expansion mm. plan just before the gates came down on, on in 2011. Um, so and, it, and it's very, very different now from what it was back then. Um, in terms of the SESI, I mean, Look, it's kind of accidental, to be honest, but I have a bit of a policy of just say yes. Just say yes to everything. You can always back out a later date, but if you say no, you, it's hard to get back in. But if you say yes, you can you can generally figure it out from there. Um, so I was asked to join the um, commercial agency PG committee. As you know, I'm not an agent and never have been an agent, so I felt like a bit of a fraud. But actually, I use agents every day. And, you know, from day one of my career, I've had a huge amount of interaction with agents and um so it's actually been really good and really positive thing to be part of that committee and kind of the promotion of using agents in in, yeah. in real estate for businesses. Good. And I suppose getting into the going on from that then Tesco. So as you mentioned that it's a different place than, than you know, than it was previously, but mm. like it's one of the biggest brands in Ireland. So you might just give us a bit of background, the actual Tesco brand and the company today. Yes, exactly. Well, it's still the same company, um, but I think it's probably just very changed in terms of its culture. Um, and I would say speed. I definitely think one of the biggest things that have changed is decision making in Tesco now is so much more quicker. It's so much more an agile company than what it used to be. Um, so we're still part of the PLC, um, and, but it's very much an Irish company and Irish decisions for the Irish company. And I think the main thing that has changed there is it's a totally Irish board of directors. So for the first time, we have a complete suite, C-suite uh, that are all Irish people. And you, um, have, and you have a chairman and CEO of the PLC are both Irish as well. They are, exactly. <laughs> the, the two Murphys um, at the top of the table. And then we have Natasha Adams, who is our Irish CEO. She is from Kerry. And Jeff, who is the COO, so property function reports into Jeff as well. And I think 
so there's one thing that yes, they're Irish and they know the kind of nuances of the market, but they're also extremely astute. So mm. like, you know, I suppose a lot of the property decision making is is done with myself and the CEO Jeff and and um, Neve as our finance director. But you're very commercial people, so it's very pragmatic commercial decision making. Um, which is a big change from a big PLC organisation that is constantly, I suppose, covering risk, like always wondering about risk, risk, risk. But this is very much, there's opportunity. How do we mm. unlock, unlock opportunity? Um, and I suppose and how do you, I've noticed from being just, I suppose, working at Tesco for however length of time, 20 years at this stage, yeah. um, they, it's been, you can see the difference in that it's people who know know the locations they know what's yeah. going on so it's not just based on you know uh, kind of a, 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 a view taken from abroad as such you know yeah actually I'm sure you're at the, at the front end of this like so you know like at the start of every year or certainly at the, at the start of this expansion cycle you know there was a big piece of work done uh, like looking at the the data so the geographical data the population data expenditure data all that stuff that you know anybody that's doing acquisitions would, would be familiar with um, and and you develop the strategy, right? So everybody talks about the strategy. Where do you want to be? Where does Tesco want to be? Um, you know, can you give me the strategy document? And I kind of say to them, yeah, I can, but it's kind of irrelevant <laughs> because, like, if you know, if you look at all the stuff that we've done in the last two three years and the stuff that's in the pipeline, which you'd be aware of, it's all it's mostly opportunity driven. Mm. So and, and and the opportunities kind of naturally enough tend to sit near or close to a strategy point. But it's mostly come from actually, do you know what, have you looked at this? Would you consider looking at this? And you go down and you look around and you, you know instinctively actually that will work. Yeah. Um, and I think the Bath Avenue one, which you, you and I, were, was one of the first ones that we did, I think, when yeah. we got going again. I cried. I don't know, did you cry during it? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> but, I won't uh, admit to it if I did. <laughs> but that was absolutely not, like that, there was no, there was no strategy point near that at all. Yeah. But we knew. We knew it would work. Absolutely, that thing's going to work, like yeah. for, for sure. I'd lived close by, like, you know, loads of people in town know the area. Hmm. It, we knew, but we knew the parking would work. We knew the, all the kind of. And it wasn't a traditional format. We can get into no. the formats of what you look at in a little bit, but it wasn't a traditional format. The size was not on 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 plan, but it still absolutely you could make it work. Yeah, completely. And actually, since then, we the, the formats as the you know we talk about in Tesco speak format size, but it, it it introduced a new format size that now they do in the UK. Mm. Yeah. So they opened one similar to the South Lots Road, one or the Bath Avenue one in Tuckenbeck shortly afterwards okay. because the model was proved here. Maybe um, maybe that'll give us a just we can that'll give us something to talk about just so for people to understand what are the format sizes oh, or what, yeah. what do what, Tesco look yeah, for? Tesco Tesco speak. So this <laughs> is uh, the format size. If effectively, it's a you talk about an F three or an F five or an F twenty or twenty five. It's your net retail space. So an F three, let's say, which is your express uh, model, will be around five thousand square foot gross or three thousand on the net. Right. So that's your kind of ideal express size, but it that flexes up and flexes down. Um, and like that's an awful lot of what we've done over the last three years is learning how to do that flex. So whereas before this, the, the process of the system would have said, no, it just doesn't work. Whereas now the and that's a big difference in the business is the agility means that we can we can change. We can do that flex now, which brings in a hell of a lot more opportunity. Um, so so I suppose in terms of what are we looking at, broadly speaking, we're looking at the smaller um, convenience stores or Tesco Express stores. And we're looking at our superstores, which are kind of anything from a format 10 up 
Um, we don't really go above kind of format 30, 40 would be the max. Yeah, and that's changed from the last... That's massively changed, yeah. yeah. So in, you, in the good old days, in, it was 90,000 square feet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and, it, and that, was, that was, it was just a different business model because, you know, back then it was the hypermarket, you know, go in and buy a washing machine and a boat and a wetsuit and a... Christmas a tractor tire, even or exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of the like car for nearly in 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 France or Spain, and um and we just don't do any of that anymore. So that's 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 you know if somebody's buying a washing machine, they'll go on the high street and they'll deal with the you know the the family company that's been there for years because they know they'll get the after sales, or they'll buy it online, um but they they don't want to come to a supermarket to do it, and that's fine. So we don't do that model anymore. So you typically in our large stores now, what you'll see is their our F and F fashion brand. Yeah. And you'll see kind of gifting. So you're going to see cards, toys, that kind of thing. Two or three aisles of that into homewares and then on into what we do best, which is food. That'll be your kind of, you know, your 40, 50,000 square foot gross store. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So max around uh, 40,000 square foot. And mm. then plugged onto that, um, depending on location and depending on the coverage, will be our grocery home shopping business. So generally what that means in a in a pure property sense is you're going to have a larger kind of back area, back of house area and service yard area to accommodate the vans. Um, car parking remains untouched. In in theory, car parking actually should go down because you now have, instead of 20 cars coming to a shop, you have one van going out and delivering. So it's nearly like the school bus analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of, that's kind of the optimal large door model. Yeah. Um, and, and what that means is they're an awful lot more palatable in 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 terms of compliance with development plans and, and planning principles. Mm. So instead of you know looking for a big big patch of land out of, outside of a town, now you're actually you're going sequentially and you're going right. Well, is that site site closest to the town centre big enough to accommodate us? Well, maybe it's not. We'll go to the next one. So we're mm. trying to be in the town centres rather than being outside pulling pulling customers away. And in terms of I suppose what your what your plan is your the, the strategy has changed so what's your strategy now in terms of growth strategy now it, well I suppose it, this kind of all started about three years ago and it was to basically relook at all of the areas that we didn't get to the, the last time hmm. of which there are many and all of the areas that don't have I'm going to call it the food infrastructure basically with the convenience um um, infrastructure shops basically where population growth has, has rattled on so like areas like Adamstown which we did recently huge population area um, 8,000 units there and you know there's a requirement to have retail within it um, so the, the strategy is definitely twofold it's or threefold actually it's, it's the convenience model which is the smaller express model the new population areas and then the towns that just never had the coverage. And is that driven by, you know, well, like, well, is it driven by the population of Ireland? Is it driven by economic growth? All it's of all of those things. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all of those things. I mean, like the demographics, what are we, the fourth fastest growing um, population mm. uh, and the economy just like I've been number one yeah. in, in Europe. So, mm. Like by default, there's 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 headroom there for growth. Yeah, and there's, there's probably I know from even looking at the map when we're looking at opportunities, there's areas of the country where you're not that well represented, and other yeah. areas where you're more represented. I suppose exactly. so. There's still plenty of uh, opportunities. Yeah, and I think it's probably a nature of we're we're we're, we're Dublin centred, or you know, our team is all here in Dublin. So by default, we don't we don't get out to look at as much in over west. Um, the acquisition of the Joyce's portfolio last year give us, you know, plug that gap, it really helped plug that gap 
there's still a hell of a lot more to do. I mean, the fact that we were able to go in and acquire all those stores tells you that there is still capacity in the west of Ireland. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the challenges that we will have from from even just from our own perspective and trying to get coverage and making sure that we have our eyes open to the to the west, everything beyond the M50 as well, you know. Um, so there's an awful lot of work to do, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and just maybe going back again, like in terms of where Tesco stands today, um, you know, as a as a as a company in terms of number of stores, uh, you know, wh- where is where where is it? What do we do? Yeah. Who are we? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, we're 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 number of stores. We have 167 stores. We we also have um, we have quite an extensive investment income estate, so shopping centres. So we have 18 shopping centres, mm. 200 tenants. And we have probably about another 50 retail partners. So they're kind of stores in stores. So you like so your Timpsons or your Boston Barbers or these kind of uh, operators within our store footprint. Mm. Um, so so we're, we're on, so we're on both sides. landlord and tenant. We're a landlord and tenant. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So we see both sides of the market, let's say. So, you know, we've all, we actually have all the challenges. We have the new space challenge, asset management challenge in terms of existing stock and aging stock. Some of our centres are... 25 years maybe coming on 30 years old um, and that's a challenge in itself and all the things that I suppose you know we're, we're, we're de- by default a, la- a landlord but we're actually a retail business yeah. you know I and mean, is, there, is there a challenge then between or how do you how do you square the circle in terms of being a landlord and a tenant yes <laughs> uh, well I think look the two the two things sit hand in hand I mean you're a tenant because you want all the adjacencies around mm. your shop Um you know, sometimes it was a condition of planning. It was the only way we were going to unlock our store or it was the older kind of neighbourhood centre model. Mm. Um, I think, and you probably see, that they stand the test of time. So where you have the neighbourhood centre, it creates just this ecosystem of mm. long-standing tenants. You know, they generally tend to be more service-driven or, you know, the the butcher, the chemist, the off-license. And that's that whole essential retail that I was talking about. Like when you, when you exactly. go, back, go back through a, the... A, a COVID crisis which we never thought we'd come out of um, yeah. one of the things that stood the test of time was that grocery driven uh, neighbourhood centre yeah you know? I mean that was your that was your night out yeah. going to the shop yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, and, and we didn't see uh, a huge fall off in tenants like there wasn't there wasn't a, you know a big attrition of tenants falling away during that period um, because we all we sat very well beside each other mm. Um and it would generally would say that like we've come out of we came out of COVID and yes we did lose um some but not very many tenants during that period and we come out of and to be honest I think like the centres came out stronger yeah. fundamentally yeah I know even from a, an investment point of view there's a you know again I'm probably I'm I'm a convert to it so I'm banging on a little bit about it but it is a very good defensive type of investment yeah um but anyway look I, I won't <laughs> I won't keep going on about that um just looking I suppose at uh, other like if you if you're looking at at your growth and what you want to achieve, you know, have you seen much blockages to that at the moment? Or it's um, it's it's a hard slog, um, an enjoyable but hard slog. So it's um, it, it's it takes an unbelievable amount of time to on to create to create the pipeline and then to start seeing it come out the other side. Hmm. Um, and there's just so many different steps along the way. Like you and I were just talking about one of the sites that we were working on two years ago at this stage. And mm. on the face of it, it seems so simple, but there's just so many things that you have to do. The technical stuff has probably got a hell of a lot more detailed, um, navigating BCAR and, and all the kind of, the detail behind that and who's mm. responsible for what and who certifies what. 
So and the one good thing though is you learn. So from every single deal you do, you learn, right? Yeah. And I definitely see that in in my team. Like the team is brilliant. Like and I can see the growth of them even in the last twelve months from from doing transactions and doing deals. Um, and from having you guys alongside it as well, because that just ocean of knowledge that you have from doing a deal. And sometimes it can be a deal you done ten years ago, and you trigger something. You oh, I remember how we get around this. Yeah, well, the, um, pro- the process is has streamlined a lot over the last number of years. I noticed, you know, it's it's kind of much much easier to get through that technical aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we used to have a very long ended process and people actually sat very fragmented in the process so it was like cogwheels so you mm. do that part and then hand over to this person and hand over to that person whereas now generally the one exec owns the project and you see it right through to the end so I think that definitely helps Yeah, yeah. Um, and that local decision making piece key to it One of the things that we always talk about on on the podcast here but also it's which is the biggest thing in, in, in one of the biggest things in the real estate market at the moment is sustainability um, and you know, a lot of what, what you're doing is to do with, obviously, with new new build, uh, older stores, but also the kind of circular economy. Um, and how's, how's that being dealt with in Tesco? It's huge on the agenda in Tesco. There's a, there's probably a lot of stuff going on in the business that people probably wouldn't even be aware of. But like, um, I give, like obviously on our side of it and the, in the construction side of it and the asset management side of it, it's kind of flowing through and the, you know, the very physical things you know PV panels heat pumps de- train, you know the, commencing decarbonising the, 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 the building stock and fridges and all of that kind of thing um, but alongside that the business is very focused on like zero food waste so like, we have the partnership with Food Cloud um, I think when you, were, you were explaining that to me earlier about what Food Cloud is I wasn't fully aware yeah, of it yeah like it's, it's brilliant so there's Food Cloud and there's Olio so Olio is kind of I suppose direct to the consumer and food cloud is kind of into organisations so that you, you register on the app and they short dated food so it's still con- totally consumable but it's not sellable let's mm. say and it's and it's just repurposed and, and circulated out through that network so it's unbelievably efficient organisation and I mean zero food there's no excuse for food waste yeah and this. it goes out to all the charities and yeah, all, 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 the people the ch- who, all the people who exactly yeah so I mean you can imagine there's uh, unfortunately there is still a hell of a lot of food poverty in mm. Ireland as well and another one of the campaigns that the business is very much um, supporting, supportive of and a key campaign in our business is Stronger Starts so this is um, supplying food into dash schools um, so up until May, I think we had a million meals going into families who are either in or at risk of food poverty. Mm. Um, and that and that's just going to grow and grow and grow. Unfortunately, but it's good that we're there to do it. Um, so there's a, there's loads of different initiatives within the company that kind of go on quietly in the background. Um, you know, in terms of even just the our, our climate objectives of net zero carbon by twenty thirty five. Like our fleet is now, our transportation fleet is all running biodiesel. Mm-hmm. There's a move towards getting our grocery home shopping vans now all electrified. So it's it's, it's not easy to do. It's quite yeah. tricky to do. And you'll have limitations in terms of range and all of that kind of thing. But And they're heavier vans, so you can carry less stuff, yeah. all that kind of thing. But um, all of those initiatives are running through every part of the business, like reduce the amount of plastic that's in there, you know, take the plastic wrapping off our multi-packs, all of that kind of thing. Um, so loads of stuff. It's massive, going on. yeah. It's massive when you, particularly when you come to a grocery yeah. uh, store. It's, it's it's a huge amount of things yeah. to try and get through. Exactly. Um, in terms of we we did mention your grocery home shopping and there's also click and collect and you know 
how is the internet or is the internet a, a big impact on because obviously you're still going out you're still investing in bricks and mortar so obviously bricks and mortar is a is a, a, a kind of a foundation stone of the business but yeah. how is that how do you see that going forward with with the internet I think it's all it's just multi-channel it's it's I don't, there's no one route to the customer anymore I think it has to be all the different routes mm. uh, I don't know what it's like in your house but like <laughs> trying to plan a grocery shop and even for two days ahead some, there's some weeks you can never do that other weeks mm. you'd be really organised and you can do it um, some days the click and collect the, on the long term average seems to be petering out at around 10% is going to be um, online yeah. or grocery home shopping um, and then bricks and mortars from what we can see here to stay yeah, and I think we've seen it. Like, I mean, in other stats that we have from uh, internet retailing, I mean, it, it obviously peaked during COVID, but it has come back, and I think it's stabilising in that sort of you know low low double digit yeah. sort of figures. So it hasn't had that major impact. I think that we, as, no. a, as a property person, feared. Yeah, it might have. we did. Like, and you know, to <clears> kind of think about even we were slammed whenever COVID came. We were the number one provider of grocery home shopping, and but our te- our technology was quite poor at the time, and we didn't have a lot of capacity in the system. So we put a hell of a lot of work and investment into improving the technology, improving the capacity, but still the long term average usage didn't jump up alongside it. So mm. I think it just is a consumer behaviour, yeah. certainly in this market. Yeah, anyway. I think so. Um. Just to, in in terms of um, the challenges, I suppose again going forward, um, inflation obviously has has been a yeah. a big thing recently. And how are you finding it, that in terms of not great now? <laughs> <laughs> the least surprising Trying to thing. Build. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's very it's very hard to navigate. It hasn't really like yeah, it probably slowed a little bit, and it's probably less so at the top of the agenda, but it's still very much there. So. There's twofold. We have it on a leasehold deal where we we're we're paying for a fit out. Mm. Um, you know, you're seeing it still run at kind of seven eight percent per annum, which is difficult to try yeah. and you know navigate through. But on the other side of it, where you have a developer trying to unlock a deal, and the length of time, I suppose, from sitting down with them day one to they finish on site, and you have to try and predict what the rent is going to be, mm. what it needs to be. And obviously, you don't want to overpay for what potentially could be a cost increase. So th- that's difficult to to navigate and to try and work out mechanisms to, you know, how is it going to work for you? Because at the end of the day, you need the developer to develop the space. Hmm. You're using their capital to do it. They're not going to do it for free. They need to get the return. They need to have a sellable asset at the end of it. But we can't overpay on our rents because yeah. um, it just doesn't work in our model. And, and inflation probably is the trickiest thing. Inflation and time, the length of time that it takes to get things done. Yeah, you know it's difficult, and that and as I say, that goes through everything. It's the technical side, the legal side, planning, whatever it is. And I suppose from a from a funding side, then it's what's what's good is the the uh, you know the long term leases that people yeah. get with CPI kind of based rent rents as well is an attraction. Yeah. To to a lot of kind of invest investors coming into it. Yeah. Um, the future then for Tesco. Actually, one one thing that I I saw um that I I thought was interesting about Tesco, um was one of you're one of the biggest food sellers of Irish produce. Is that, the, did I get that right? <laughs> with the biggest um, buyers, buyers, purchasers purchase. of Irish food and drink. So 1.6 billion a year um, Tesco buy of Irish food and drink products. So and that's and exported that's, to other... It's Well, it's sold in our stores here, but also th- throughout the entire network. So yeah. in Tesco UK, so and, and they're buying more and more all the time. Hmm. Um, and then on through into Eastern Europe. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty impressive figure. Yeah, you know, I just I came across. I think 
I think Jeff's Byrne interview it saw, saw it mentioned I thought it was an interesting stat yeah. but sorry that was a bit of a diversion there. but the future then I suppose in terms of Tesco the, the rollout um, what do you want to what opportunities are there I suppose for yeah, our well, investors or developers or yeah well ho- hopefully loads um like so, like our ambition remains. We're hopefully going to do eight express stores this year. Um, it looks like we probably will get them delivered, and um, large stores is really starting. The pipeline of that is probably going to kick from next year. So probably two or three next year, and I'd hope to start building that then, kind of two, three, mm. four. Um, so and it's just stuff coming out the other side of the pipeline. Um, for. For me, it's going to be just unlocking more regional opportunity if I can. Mm. Um, so looking at you know old car garages, um, amalgamation of maybe high street units, that kind of thing. And again, that very much links back to the build cost. You know, yeah. if it still gets very expensive to do things and build things, these opportunities will become more limited. Um, but you know, we want to get talking to developers early about being in the ground floor retail units making sure that if they are putting ground floor retail in make sure they can be serviced can you get a plant location don't put a hundred thousand columns through it <laughs> that kind of thing um, so yeah look we've, we're, still, we're quite ambitious in what we want to do I am um, as I say and I mentioned a few times we've got a really good team now internally um, to deliver things and you know they're building up their experience and their skill set so I even find with them decision making has been a hell of a lot quicker and more decisive, which is brilliant. Sometimes a, a quick no mm. is as good as a long yes. But um, so, yeah, more in the West. Plenty more to come on Express. If we could do eight a year, I'd be very happy with that and continue going with the large store rollout, which is areas that we're not in on population growth. Good. I'll do that, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only a small bit of work for you there, Sean. Yeah, well, if there's any opportunities out there, you know where we are. <laughs> well, listen, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to us on no the podcast. Problem. And uh, hopefully we'll see loads of Tesco stores all over the country very soon. Hopefully, yes, that's the plan. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. You can find out more about TWM on twmproperty.ie and this podcast and future episodes will be available on our website. Uh, You can also listen wherever you find your podcasts and we'll see you on the next one.